1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. So even though politically artists seem unessential, we are absolutely on a human level, truly essential. Because... The times we live in are always defined by the artists that inhabit at that time.
0: Hello, it's Tony Howell, and I want to welcome you to Conversations with Changemakers. On this episode, we speak with Susan Icorn young She is most known as one of New York City's best voice teachers, but SEY is all things voice. She has three diplomas from the Royal Conservatory of Music at the University of Toronto a Bachelor of Music from the University of Saskatchewan, and a Master of Music from London's Western University. She is exceptionally gifted in many mediums and genres, singer, actor, speaker, voiceover artist, writer, voice teacher, speaking coach, pianist, and more. In this conversation, we discuss her near-death experience and how it impacted the way that she lives her life daily how to navigate living in America today, as well as a life in the arts, practices to stay informed and connected, yet sane and grounded, and how to find and develop your authentic voice. I can't wait to hear your thoughts after this conversation. Enjoy. Susan Icorn young I am so honored, so delighted, so excited to have you on the podcast welcome and thank you for being here
1: the honor is mine
0: let's kick this party off by sharing how we met
1: good lord you were still in your undergrad as i recall and uh you emailed me what i think were you a junior you might i think you were a junior
0: yeah i was at ball state in muncie indiana studying musical theater and i wanted to go to the big city
1: and you emailed me and I think you were coming in on spring break or something and to to have a, a consultation and a trial lesson because you wanted to start connecting to people when you were ready to graduate.
0: Yes, indeed. And that's and where it happened? started.
1: And then what, ha- what <laughs> happened? Then you went back to school um, and then you moved to the big city.
0: Yes, yes, yes. And I started studying with you um, and you are an incredible teacher, a, a very well-recognized and respected voice teacher. Uh, And we recently have been collaborating in a different way as business, uh, you know, consulting. And let me ask you, you say that you are all things voice. So what does that mean to you?
1: I think what that, how that came about, well, that was kind of you and I collaborating. You kind of brought that through. But I think it's partly because the path that my journey has taken me through different facets of voice, whether it's singing in many different genres and acting, teaching, coaching, writing, all those things that um, could be a voice, that's what leads in my world.
0: Yes, and I want to rewind a little bit. Can you share a bit about your journey, where you're from, what, what your life has been like leading up to this moment?
1: I am a Canadian girl from the prairies, and I grew up in a very theatrical home, and uh, music and theater were big, big parts of my life from before I can remember, and uh, so that was a no-brainer, although I was battling between going into music theater, um, music slash theater, and journalism, if you can believe it, wow. um, so the music and theater won um, whether that was the right choice or not, it was the choice. And so I went from a very small town in Saskatchewan to university and I actually double majored. I majored in voice and in piano performance. And that's where it kind of continued from Uh, a lot of theater, um, you know, a lot of cabaret moved into opera, um, Had a baby, (laughs) moved around a lot, and uh, eventually um, met the love of my life and and moved down to New York City area.
0: Love, love, love. And... I want to take a moment, I'm I'm taking you on a ride. I've given you some questions and I'm just gonna <laughs> be improving with you.
1: Absolutely.
0: I want you to brag for a moment or at least just be transparent because what we're seeing right now, I believe is a transition with many of the artists in our business. Not only the, the coaches and the teachers that surround them sort of needing to pivot because of Corona, but the artists themselves are starting to find alternative revenue streams. So you are a successful entrepreneur for decades. Can you share a little bit about the business services that you've developed um, for Susan Icon Young?
1: In this time? Are you talking specifically like as we've pivoted or just in, in a general overview?
0: Well, let's start with how you started to make the shift from artistry to entrepreneurship.
1: Um, You know, I think in a strange way, it was always sort of parallel. When one was waning, the other was waxing back and forth. So I kind of pivoted um, back and forth pretty consistently. Um, When Erin, my daughter, got to school age and we couldn't just take off and do things, then I started to teach a little bit more when she started to get into regular school and that kind of thing. Um, And then, you know, I I went back to school. In my third, in my later 30s, um, to do my master's degree, thinking you know that would give me a little bit more um, sustainability on the academic side of things. Should I need that? And then uh, you know, think y- y- you just have to stay inquisitive and curious about what else is there, what else could I do, and uh, different things you know leading to different. Again, you know, where does the voice take you? Um, I started doing voiceover work and, uh, you know, audio books and things like that, as well as teaching and coaching and working with different genres um, of singing. Um, and that, you know, has led to now where we've had to make this big pivot to be completely online. And then what does that look like? And how do we adapt and, you know, pivot, step, all change a little bit?
0: <laughs> Ooh, and a shimmy, shimmy, shimmy.
1: Exactly.
0: Tell us now, so how have you made, what pivots have you made, and, and what would you recommend people consider that might be teachers or coaches?
1: Well, we are all online, and you can't fight that anymore if you want to stay relevant um, in this time. Um, and what's what's exciting, I think, is that uh, I always have to say to my technic- technically um Literate people, my friends and colleagues. Okay, explain that now in real people language. (laughs) And most of you do. Most of you are great because you know those of you who are really great at at the technical things. Some of us, from an artistic perspective, it's just you know our brains go blow. So um, I've been very fortunate to have people teach me how to use these tools more and more effectively. And then in the process, I'm learning how to do things on my own. Um, And I think that's, you know, you've got to be, you've got to be pliable. Mm -hmm. You just have to be. And that I think is the big thing anyway. This time, you know, it's, we don't have a choice. But I think that's something we all can learn moving through this time, we must stay pliable, we must stay innovative, and creative, and be able to make adjustments and not get so stuck in one aspect of what we do or how we do that, that we can't make some adjustments.
0: I love that. <laughs> you have been very pliable. So with all things voice, I believe and and maybe you have other areas, but you know, you use your voice through writing, speaking, yes, singing, and also the sort of like soulful way of of having a voice, having the artistry and the point of view. Have I missed anything? <laughs>
1: No, I don't think so. But thank so, you.
0: With that, does how does one develop their voice? And you could share technically, but I also want to talk about that more spiritual artistic lens mm-hmm. of of how one creates a voice for themselves.
1: You know, my dad gave me this quote many many years ago and my husband also uses this quote many years later, um, so it kind of bookended it. It's a Miles Davis quote that says, "'Sometimes it takes a long time to learn how to play like yourself.'" And so I took that and changed the word play to sing, to speak, uh, to voice. Um, To develop that voice, it takes doing it. Um, You can't call yourself Uh, An artist, if you don't just create art and it's not about it being perfect or beautiful um, or even shareable, it's about just getting in there and doing the work and getting messy and making mistakes or making choices um, to lead you to the next. And that to me is what that means.
0: So let's talk about your dad for just a moment. I know that he's yes. a very important person to you and that you have your passion for teaching from him. Um, can you tell us a little bit about him and maybe one other thing that he taught you? Sure.
1: Um, he is still to this day, probably one of my biggest teachers um, and daily, even at this, you know, he's been gone since 20, 2009. And uh, he was a prolific Painter, uh, he was an artist through and through. Wonderful actor. In fact, he was also a tap dancer. Tony. Wow. Back in the day, he was a hoofer way back in the day, um, and wonderful uh, teacher, um, director, um, just creator. And I think one of the, th- I mean, he's taught me so much. I think the big thing I've learned from him is his ability to listen. He could hold space for anybody. I mean, anybody. And anybody that walked into his sphere that he would hold space for felt as if they were the center of the universe. And that trust in that moment, um, they all mattered to him. And, and that's something that I work for, that I want to create that safe space for anybody who want decides they want to walk in. Um, so whatever it is that they are wanting to explore with me um, or just, you know, in the space between, um, I want to create that space, hold space for that person. That's something that I really learned just from watching him work.
0: Well, you carry on that legacy quite beautifully. Thank you. So as I was getting ready for this, I was ruminating on the fact that you and I have quite a few things in common. We both lost our fathers. We've both, uh, found alternative ways to be artists, uh, beyond sort of the traditional paths, uh, in I should say in addition to, um, and one of the things that I think has supercharged us is near death experiences. So I want you to take a moment to tell us what happened when I say the words, the accident.
1: Ooh, uh, I still have to take a big breath with that one. Um, That was a day that was a beautiful June, uh, cloudless, no humidity, the perfect day. And uh, Thomas, my husband, and I were out for a drive. I wasn't in the city teaching that day. He was off for the summer. And uh, we were heading to, we were on a drive in the convertible. We were gonna go pick up some steaks and do a nice little grill. And life changed. Life changed completely. And uh, we were in a traffic stop on a, an interstate highway because of construction. And, uh, I don't remember any of this, but we were hit, um, by an 18 wheeler that didn't stop or couldn't stop. And, uh, and life changed.
0: Mm -hmm. I was your student at the time and it was really awakening to suddenly just possibly lose someone. What happened next?
1: Well, um, thank goodness Thomas was not hurt like I was. They were able to get him out. He had a concussion and, you know, stitches and whatever. However, I was the one that got um, kind of crunched into the car um, underneath another semi. So it took them quite a long time, I guess, to get me out. I was airlifted. We were both airlifted, actually, to a trauma unit. And I was in trauma for several, I don't even remember now, however long. And then in a rehab hospital for several weeks um, before I was able to come home with, you know, a fair bit of damage. And that was, I mean, it changed everything, um, not just the physical, um, the emotional, and the spiritual, and also just kind of rethinking about how you want to live your life or how what what is really important. Um, I think that was the big thing, recognizing that even in the trauma unit, I couldn't do anything for myself. And I'm used to being, you know, mom and nurturer, where I do for everybody, and I couldn't do anything for myself, let alone anybody else. So that was a huge, uh, sudden shift of recognizing that, you know, that that change, and then the realization that oh, look at the world is going round. <laughs> you don't have to do everything for everybody. <laughs> look at that. Maybe other people could do a few things for you when you asked. And so, you know, those those kinds of realizations were huge. Um, it also, you know, showed me um, the love and the care that was all around me from all of you, you know. And uh, that was, you know, not that I didn't know there was love and care, but my God, I could feel that. Into the broken bones, mm-hmm. I could feel that, you know. And it's it's certainly changed me um, in how I can, you know, how I can address the world, um, how I can be more patient, how I can be more present, um, trying to stay in that present moment and not get too carried away and looking too far ahead or wondering what if and all those things that, you know, we often do because, you know... When you're not there, you're not there. And I could easily have been taken in that accident. So I'm here for a reason and I better seize it.
0: Yay. Yay. Um, I'm so happy that you're here and that you live your life by example. Uh, Really, I do, I don't want to like dive in here too much further, but I just know that there's so much here. Um, And I do want to ask you if you could. If you could make that accident not happen, um, you've shared a lot of it, but for Susan before in May, um, and then for the listener who may not be as aware and conscious, uh, what would you want them to know? uh, What would you whisper in their ear on this side of the accident?
1: On this side of the accident, I would say breathe and stay present and don't worry. It's the worry that slows us down. It's the worry that stops us. And being present and being stuck aren't the same thing. Because you can breathe into that moment. You can breathe into that present moment. But worry makes you stuck.
0: So it's 7 a.m. here, and today's meditation before we talked was about the pause, the gap. And mm. it instantly, it made sense as a musician that the, the rest is just as important as the notes. Yes. Um, and so I, you know, <laughs> look at the times we're in. We've got heavy topic after heavy topic. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but that's, where <laughs> that's where we are. That's where we are. What's it like right now to be in the United States of America?
1: That is the heaviest one, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's horrifying. It's scary. It's um, just when you think it can't get any worse, it does. And, and yeah, you can isolate yourself to a certain degree, and there's the irony, right? We're supposed to quarantine. We're supposed to be isolated. And yet you have to figure out how you balance keeping yourself sane and staying informed. And I think um, what I, a status I wrote today was um, what is your duty as a human being? You know, what, what do you need to do as a human being for other human beings? I think that can be something that we have control of in a time where there just doesn't feel like there is any. You know, um, and, you know, it's when you know, when we see that we're basically isolated, even from all borders, you know, um, it it just feels very, this time feels very stuck in many ways mm-hmm. because we don't have the freedoms we thought we did have because of everything that's happening. However, not to be a Pollyanna, but it's almost as if Mother Universe said, okay, and while I've got you all home, let's deal with this, and let's deal with that, and let's bring things into your living rooms that you are home to see and start to feel, and let's start to make some real change as human beings. And so in that regard, even from a world perspective, Um, It actually is very exciting as human beings right now to see the kind of change that we can possibly make in our world, in spite of our world. Does that make some sense?
0: It makes perfect sense. I'm over here nodding like... (laughs) (laughs) So I love that word, duty, and I also really feel that even though we are in the muck and uh, it's just like a super hard time, I, I have the optimism that you do that there are much, much brighter days ahead. Yes. What would you like your artists, your community, to know about how to handle everything while we battle two viruses and one, I'm just going to curse orange asshole in yep. the white house.
1: <laughs> he in a very strange, I'm going to say it because I believe speaking it out loud, he is irrelevant. Yeah. Um, we think he's, he's not, and that's all I'm going to say. Otherwise I'll go off, but this is what I say. And I really do believe this Um Artists, are essential. And they are needed, and they define the times that we find ourselves in, no matter what that time is. Um, We are essential to how we live as a society, as artists. We, We as artists are how we reshape our society, and how we breathe life into that society. So even though politically, artists seem unessential. We are absolutely, on a human level, truly essential because the times we live in are always defined by the artists that inhabit at that time, always, from the beginning of time. And with every time of horror and change um, something new and creative and innovative it responds out of that time. And that's going to happen again. That's happening now. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we just have to keep mirroring each other in recognition of the essential aspect of what we do because it's crucial to the healing of our society through this.
0: So, what should the teachers and the coaches that work with the artists know what do you wish they knew that you're seeing that that many are not aware of
1: um it's not the same as it was before the middle of march so we cannot bring with us the weight of what was before we need to Clear the space in order to allow what needs to emerge to to emerge, so dragging in the old paradigms it's not going to work. we need to you know shatter those paradigms and start fresh you know come out of the ashes with with something more real and more innovative um, none of it's a competition, and that's an ongoing thing in my life anyway in my sense of things what we do is not a competition. Um, what we do is collaborative. What we do is storytelling, no matter the genre you know, or the kind of artist that you are. Um, and there's never one size fits all. And just cause so-and-so did it that way does not mean you have to and not mean you should. And I think the more we can just knock out those walls it's scary sometimes but it's crucial now more than ever
0: i love what you just said that it's not a competition that it is collaborative and i think capitalism can absolutely corrupt that uh yes. that viewpoint now you mentioned that things that it's a new world and we're wiping the deck so to speak so curveball for you okay. what what <laughs> is the future the ideal for american art
1: um i think we're in it that's the interesting thing i think we're truly in it and we need to learn what that is for each of us individually and collectively and how we can inhabit it as authentically as possible you know how do we explore that before we send it out into the rest of the ether Um, And I think, you know, the authenticity of that is going to be um, what, you know, how we create for new audiences. I mean, that's the thing. Audiences are going to be craving. They already are. um, But they're going to be craving that storytelling. And how do we do that in this new this new world that we find ourselves in now, we can be preparing for that. And instead of saying, yeah, but, or no, we can't. uh, Yeah, we can. And yes, we will. And we have to. And wherever that takes, I mean, whatever that takes, we have to find that.
0: When you say, yeah, but, like what are some of the excuses and things that you're referring to?
1: It can be, um, you know, more paradigm kinds of things or more institutionalized kinds of things you know yeah but i'll never be able to sing that yeah but no one will ever do that show yeah but they don't cast that way um nobody's casting anything right now so no that can change and I think I think so much, and I'm thinking primarily now as a as a performing artist, right? We have um, unconsciously been um, kind of set up, for lack of a better word, to think we we can only do X Y Z or X Y Z to my Canadian peoples, um, <laughs> you know, that we we can't inhabit there because it's not been allowed. And, you know, that's where the Black Lives Matter movement is getting stronger and stronger, where, you know, um, artists of color, indigenous artists, black artists are saying, wait a minute. And those of us who want to build allyship and go and work with anti-racism need to say, no, wait a second, what are we doing here? These are stories that need to be told. And in theater, are we not don't we learn that because of the archetype of stories that anyone can inhabit that to tell the story because those stories are bigger than we are.
0: Yeah. And beyond that, extending the artists on stage to the people backstage, to the audiences, there's a lot of work to be done and I respect and applaud the Activism that and the leadership that you create. Oh, thank you. You do a lot of that in person on Zoom. We'll just say that that that's in person, um, and you do that through your writing and through your social media. Uh, so, for the people that are interested in making change, in creating new possibilities for the art form and the audiences and the industries around these performing arts what are some of your favorite tools to make change
1: that's a big one um i think the engagement of conversation you know um and listening to other people and that goes back to my dad right um and Making sure that you give yourself permission, not just to listen and engage, but also to take the self-care breaks. Because I'm I'm bad for that. I say, you know, teacher, you know, physician, heal thyself. Because I can jump in and then, you know, I'm go, 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 go. And then it's like, why am I so tired? Because it's a lot to take in. And then you feel guilty for saying, I got to unplug today and just let things wash through and, you know, watch some stupid television or read a dumb book. Because you need to have that ebb and flow. Um, and I think sometimes people feel, and I do too, like, you know, well, is what I do, does it matter? Yes, it matters because it's your corner of your world that then allows the people in that corner to move into their corner and then they move into your corner and we start to feed back and forth. That energy just starts to ebb. Um, and, and with water... And air, it's in it's in motion, and it's going to go further than we realize. So, you know, specifically, I think everybody has to find out what that is for them. But I think the engagement of learning and listening is so crucial. Um, we're never done with that. And let things, you know, go down the rabbit hole and just see where it takes you. Um, sometimes you can have a perfectly, you know... Your your daybook says or your calendar says we're going here today, and then at, at the end of the day, it's like and I turn left and there I went <laughs> down that you know, and that's okay, especially now because where else are you going to go? You know, I mean, you've got permission right now to do that work, and then take that day off or those few hours off, and you know, close your eyes and, or or go sit on the beach, Tony. Something, yes, they're you know. slowly
0: opening up, yeah. so I'll I'll go breathe in the beach. <laughs> um, I know that you are very, very active, not, not only have an incredibly successful blog and readership, but also a very, very active community on social media. So how did you create these things? How did you develop them? Um, and how can the listener sort of use their voice in that way?
1: The blog actually started, I can't even remember how long ago, and it was on another platform until you built my website home. And then we moved everything on to that lovely site. But that almost started with, um, it was like self-therapy for me. Um, It was a way for me to just write a little bit about... stream of consciousness about how I was feeling about the business and about things in the business, about what we needed to do, you know, specifics about singing and um, those kinds of things. So I just started writing at, without expectation. And sometimes I think that's, that's one of the best things like do it for no, no, at least the beginning and in the beginning, what is your reason? And it's okay if you don't have one. You know, mm-hmm. because it'll help you keep doing it, because again there it's the action of doing it doesn't have to be pretty. I remember in the first few, and it's just how i speak um i I try to blog like I speak. Um, somebody actually messaged me and said, "You know that's not a complete sentence and it's like,
0: <laughs> go well, elsewhere,
1: yes, exactly, <laughs> and thank you so much, and goodbye um. You know, there's always going to be, and I think as artists, that's part of it too. You know, you put yourself out there, we all know this, no matter where we are, and you're going to have somebody push back. And it's developing that space between, again, to say, okay, I can allow that to hurt me, and then I can do something with it, but I will not let it stop me from doing what I want to do. And I know with social media too, I mean, you know... um, I try to to post different kinds of things. And um, because I'm in so many different areas of the business, um, I do have a lot of corners that I play in, whether it's opera or music theater or whatever else. Um, so, you know, sometimes I go on a tear and I go on a rant and other times I'm much more thoughtful. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, that's authentically me and I'm not afraid to expose that. Um, I, am not afraid to sometimes not show the most, the, the most contained of myself. Let her rip. (laughs) Exactly. And there will be a few F bombs in there from time to time.
0: Well, I'm going to include all of your social links and additional resources in the bonuses with this episode. Um, I also know that this has come up a couple of times of finding the rest, finding the self-care, listening, exploring, curiosity. So can you share some habits that you've built in to your year, to your month, to your week, to your day? How do you take care of Susan Eichhorn Young?
1: It's a constant battle, I'm going to tell you right now. Again, I know I don't always do, um, but I have found a meditation practice that I actually do daily. Um, that's something that I started, um, after the accident. Well, yeah, just after, while I was still in rehab. Um, and I didn't necessarily do it every day, but certainly now I am probably the last couple of years. It's been a daily thing for me. And that's how I start my day before my coffee. I meditate before my coffee.
0: You are intense. I
1: mean, that's huge for those of you who know me. Um, and, you know, I, I write um, almost every day in some form. Um, I shouldn't even say that. I write every day in some form. Um, I read every day and I'm, I've always had uh, a crazy appetite um, for different types of uh, things that I read. So I have three or four things go, always going at the same time. Um, and I try to vocally ground every day. Um, that also is part of my meditation, but it's also part of my ability to get my breath and my vibration and my body to speak to each other. And that's something that I've done for a long time. But again, it was what what really helped me reintegrate after the car accident as well.
0: When you say you read multiple different things, is that news sources or are those books?
1: It's everything. I read nonfiction and I read Um, of course I read lots of blogs and, and, you know, newspapers online. Um, I read a lot of fiction. Um, I read some business books. Thank you, Tony. Um, I do all (laughs) kinds of, you know, so it really depends on just where my energy feels like it wants to go in any particular day. Um, so it, yeah, it can go a multitude of places. Sometimes I have to really focus that because I tend to, you know, stick too many fingers in too many pies and then the day's gone um, where I can have you know too many tabs open in my brain and I just need to focus in sometimes too. But I just love, um, I love the versatility of what's available to learn from. And as my niece Ruby would say when she was six, but Auntie Sue, I'm learning new things every day. And I still feel like oh. that, I do.
0: I love that. I want, there was something else and I was like, I'm going to, and I've forgotten it. So what was the final thing that you said that you do every day? We have meditation. Oh, yes. We have.
1: I vocally ground.
0: Yes. And so what I want to highlight on that is that you offer that to your singers, to your studio. Yes. Um. So can, for those that are not yet members of the studio, can you share what, what does vocal grounding mean, look like, sound like?
1: So we started to do that online, um, after we were quarantined and I actually started doing it every day, um, for the studio. We have a group on Facebook and, um, just so everybody could feel like they were connected. Um, and then, you know, as time went on, we eased out of that a little bit. Now we do it once a week and it's a little longer, um, And, you know, I keep those recordings so people can go back into the group and find them and use them as they need throughout the week. What it does or how I view this, it's it's giving permission to uh, start to feel the grounding in the body. Um, But then to start to release the breath and in releasing the breath, we start to vibrate and we start to use the voice. And it's not about singing, even though we are using the singing voice, but more to start to mingle breath, exhale with vibration. Yes, it's a little woo woo, I suppose one could say, but that's who I am. Um, But it just allows um, the singers that work with me permission to settle into their bodies and to just give them that space, to hold space for themselves, basically, um, within their bodies and their vibration. Because, you know, as singers, as actors too, but we're working in intangibles. We work with breath we can't see and vibration we can't see in and working stretching musculature that we can't see either. So this is where the neuroses, I think, comes from that we get piled on as singers but if we can start to find access into that so that we sense what those are that's what to what vocal grounding is to me
0: and I want to circle back because I don't I don't think it's woo-woo I think that when you are an artist you have to start to connect mind body spirit all these things so it sounds to me just like a, a ritual an exercise to maintain that connection
1: yes absolutely absolutely
0: So you obviously have... Many wonderful, wonderful things to say, but I want you to be a myth buster here for a moment or or shake someone a little bit. What are the biggest myths or misconceptions you see about the performing arts that you just wish people would wake up to?
1: Oh, my God. How much time do we have? No. <laughs> um, I think the big one always is there. there's two that I run across, and they are... Um, One is singer-specific and one is performer-specific. Singer-specific is not recognizing how much older the singing instrument development actually is. So, you know, where those metabolic shifts are in those intrinsic muscles happen so much later than... Most singers realize and, you know, that's why I always say as a singer, you're like fine wine. You're just going to get better and better because it's going to take age in order to access physicality and then maintain it so much later. That's the big one with singers. And the other one that drives me crazy is that idea that if I'm not on Broadway, by the time I'm 25, I might as well just do something else, Mm -hmm. you know, and that is absolutely ridiculous i recognize as dancers you need to use that body as you're younger Um, but that doesn't mean 25 is over the hill and certainly as singers you're barely out of the oven if if you are out of the oven at 25 most people are not so that idea that younger is better and you know my question is my answer is another question for what exactly you know Craft takes time. And then I go back to that Miles Davis quote. It takes a long time to learn how to play like yourself.
0: Boom. So there it is. Um, I want to then go to the other half of, I think, life and talk about the business side. Um, so in terms of entrepreneurship, teaching, coaching, what are the biggest myths and misconceptions you might see there?
1: Um, perhaps one would be, well, if I'm not working as a performer, then I should teach. And again, I ask why, like, are you drawn to teaching? Like, is that something that you feel passionate about? Um, it's not one or the other. Um, and, and one, this'll, this is showing my age, of course, but, um, when I was in my early 30s one of the things was you know while you have a child so you might as well do something else you can't have a child and have a career really watch me (laughs) um you know so and and we see so many women um and men obviously um but mothers especially with women again another sexist development surprise surprise in that regard um you know who who decided that You know, so that that's beyond ridiculous. you got to get a little more creative, perhaps. But no, you can do whatever you decide you want to do. Um, And I think, you know, that's a that's a big one, you know. Um, And also, you know, maybe if you're drawn to teach, it doesn't mean that you've failed somewhere else or if you're drawn to coach or that that is where you need to be. Wherever you're drawn to, you say, what is that? And go explore it.
0: There's so much there that I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to ask you, and I know that you could name a list of names, but I want to give you an opportunity to share who inspires you, an artist or an entrepreneur that you just look at and you say, wow, this person, everyone needs to know about them and follow them.
1: Um, oh, God, there's so many, Tony. You're when. I know.
0: Well, just give us a few. Oh, thank no, you. No, you
1: are always. Um, I mean, mo- all of my singers, I know that sounds like, you know, pick your favorite child, right? All the singers that study with me or have studied with me, they, they all inspire me in some way, shape or form, you know, um, oftentimes I, as I, one of the things I'm doing right now is the, the ginormous task of annotating. Is that the word? Um, all of the exercises that I work with um, with different Mm. artists and all of you, you too, by the way, you have all inspired an exercise by what you needed at that time. And so every singer that I have ever worked with has inspired an exercise that I have developed because of what they needed at the time. So that's something, you know, and that's just one aspect of, uh, of that. I mean, There are so many, um, presences online, whether they're singers or, um, activists, um, and both, you know, entrepreneurs, um, that I know personally or have worked with, um, I I mean, the list is horrendously long. Um, (laughs) you know, um, one of the, the people, one of the young women that, you know, recently, um, and she always has is Jerry Brown, um who studied with me for many years and uh, wrote this wonderful letter um, to white women that I uh, asked for permission to publish on the blog that's been getting lots of hits. Um, and she is such a creative and innovative spirit. Um, she was there with Aaron, my daughter, when the car accident happened to make sure we were cared for. And she kind of just said, okay, Let's do this. And she's one of those kind, just take charge and get it done. Um, She inspires me daily. Um, You know, people like Jen Waldman, who have just done the pivot of all time to get everything online. Um, She inspires me. Um, People like uh, Matthew Corzine um, and and how he has moved into the online space and how creative he is. um, Jen Letterer another one who um, is a magical unicorn and wonderful person and people like, uh, Rachel Rogers, um, mm-hmm. who's an incredible entrepreneur and inspiration, but writers like Brene Brown, we all know, um, Glennon Doyle who wrote Untamed. That's one of the ones I'm reading right now. Brilliant writer and someone, another writer that I've always loved, um, Sue Monk Kidd who wrote, um, uh, I'm reading a book right now called um, *The Book of Longings*. She writes so incredibly poetically and so passionately. I mean, her her ability to weave a story is just multi-dimensional. So, and these, you know, from all different walks of life. I mean, I've got you know my Broadway Tony Award and nominated people like Lilius White and Melissa Arico who inspire me daily to you know some of my younger ones like Sierra Renee or Kayla Davian um James Lane I mean so many of these people and I I hesitate to say their names because I'm missing so many um
0: yeah you know I know it's a tough tough question it is
1: <laughs> but there's just there's just so many and then my daughter inspires me um mm-hmm. you know my husband inspires me my family inspires me I mean there's just I I look for that. I don't I don't shy away from being inspired. So I find it everywhere. You know, that's kind of that's my dad. Mm.
0: Yes, you do. And it <laughs> sounds like I'm gonna link to as many of those names and people. And uh, you know, if we have forgotten anyone, we can also include them as well. Um So the next thing I want to ask you is what's coming down the pipeline? What's ahead for you? What can we look forward to?
1: Well, I mean, I'm doing it day to day, right? But I am, um, I'm doing more writing and maybe there will be a book at some point and I'm going to say it out loud right here with you. Ah. Um, So I am writing that damn book. Um, so yes. that at, at what point and in what form, we'll wait and see. But it, but little bit by little bit, it's getting done. And I'm working on creating some more online content. You know, um, I mean, now it is S-E-Y Voice online worldwide. So, you know, we're able to explore a lot more and, and um, allow people who maybe, you know, want to just see what it's about to come on in. You know, and 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 keep developing that, and see where it leads.
0: Yes, and I will hyperlink. But if you are listening right now, and you're like, "Oh goodness, I need to work with Susan," the shortcut is S E Y dot F Y I. So Susan, now fast forward ten years. It's 2030. What does your life look like? I'm old. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> what does
1: my life look like? Well we're going to be out of quarantine. And I'm going to say that well beyond. We will have more innovation theatrically than we've ever had in the history of humankind. I'm going to say that too. Um, and I see myself doing, doing me better than I am today. And whatever that means, that's where it's going to be. So I, if I can get up, this side of the the earth and take a breath. um, Even if I have to do my emotional triage and just check in um, and, you know, every day is a new day and I'm going to keep learning and see where it takes me.
0: I love, and I want to close, so you can take your time with this, but we will include all of your resources and links and things with the episode. But I want you to think about This conversation is about practical ways that artists can make change. You've highlighted a lot of different ways and I'm gonna highlight them as well. But let's close with one final thought for how the artist can try to change the world.
1: If you hesitate and say, no, I don't think I can, you stop yourself, you rewind, you erase that and say, wait a minute, I'm enough and yeah, I can. So write that email, you know, send that email to that artistic director or that director or that casting person or that music director that you were afraid to get in touch with before all of this happened and say, this is who I am and I want you to know who I am.
0: Thank you, Susan, and thank you for listening. I want to highlight just a few things she shared. She mentioned early how the accident changed everything. Her life changed instantly. So I ask you, how can we begin to live with that mindfulness and the same sense of purpose without physical trauma or a global pandemic? What is really important? What is your duty right now as an artist? and as a human being. Where does your voice wanna go without getting stuck in old paradigms? How can you be pliable, innovative, creative, make adjustments or follow your curiosity? And that last part, once again, this is who I am and I want you to know who I am. Susan and I would both love to get to know you and hear what you thought. So take a screenshot right now and share your takeaway with us be sure to tag SEY Voice and tony howell to make sure that we see it now if you want to learn more then pivot step ball change shimmy 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 to the link in the description of this episode i've gathered a list of the resources susan mentioned alongside fun photos videos audio and more Now, if you are listening to this conversation in real time, make sure that you're signed up for the life-changing magic of email excellence. I'm teaching this free class the week of July 27th, and it covers digital wellness, inbox management, and writing emails that pay your bills. Otherwise, never fear. If you wanna hop over to TonyHowell.me, you can always get my free brand bootcamp. Make sure that you go to sey.fyi if you want to learn more about Susan or send her a message at seyvoice on social. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with Changemakers. Now, please go out there and use your work to change the world. Maybe you and I can have a conversation about it very soon.